0: This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2.
1: For the past few weeks and months, many of us have just been in survival mode, getting by from day to day in this challenging season. Well, now that some of that stress is starting to dissipate, maybe it's time to think of those further afield. Last week, the Director General of the World Health Organization warned that as wealthier nations are emerging from lockdown, the virus is continuing to spread in poorer nations, with global figures still increasing. The World Bank predicts that coronavirus could push between 40 to 60 million people into extreme poverty. That would actually be the first increase in global poverty since the Asian financial crisis. We've got Matt Davis on the line from Micra Australia. They're a coalition of anti-poverty agencies, and he's been looking into the impact of coronavirus on the world's poor. G'day, Matt.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: No worries. Look, I imagine this could all be a bit overwhelming looking on the global stage. But what have been some of the most noticeable impacts of COVID-19 in developing nations?
0: Yeah, well, it's a great question. And I think the best way to help Australians think this through is that all of the things that we've been afraid of and that have been happening here, both in terms of people contracting the virus and sadly passing away from it, people losing their jobs and finding themselves in economic hardship and wondering about their futures. All of those things are now taking place in some of the poorest and most vulnerable communities in the world um, at rates that are skyrocketing and with safety nets that simply don't exist. So it's a terrifying situation what's now happening around the world.
1: I can imagine, especially if there's not the healthcare that we have here, then people who are already vulnerable would be even more vulnerable?
0: Absolutely. I was looking at reports from Doctors Without Borders in Yemen. They are running the single COVID clinic in the second largest city in the country in the south in a place called Aden. And the reason they're running the only clinic is because other doctors in their public health system, which has been battered by five years of civil war, have no protective equipment. So they don't want to work because they know that if they go, they're going to get the virus as well. Some people might think, oh, that's not very compassionate, but it's not practical to have the only doctors in the country face-to-face with those people who have coronavirus. It's just not a feasible situation. Yeah. They don't have the workers and they don't have the equipment to do the work that needs to be done there.
1: Okay. I mean, that's, that's Yemen. Can you give us a sense of what's happening in some other places, India, for example?
0: India, the hospitals are totally overwhelmed as well now, particularly in Mumbai. Uh, I read reports there that they can't get the bodies out quick enough. And so you've got patients fighting coronavirus on beds next to those who've just passed away. Uh, The systems are just in total overwhelm. It's the same story through Latin America as well. Healthcare officials there are just saying their health systems across the board are on the verge of collapse. Everything that was modelled here as worst-case scenario in Australia is actually starting to take place in some of those countries. We know what we were talking about here. What happens when the bed's overflowing and there aren't ventilators for people? Well, that is the reality in a lot of these countries now.
1: Mm. And who are some of the most vulnerable groups of people that we might not be hearing about during this crisis?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. It's those that were vulnerable before this crisis are even more vulnerable now. So refugees, those that are in modern slavery... Uh, the people who didn't have rights and access to basic health care before now are obviously finding themselves at the end of the queue if they get coronavirus now. But more likely, they just won't see it. I mean, a good example of this is in Nigeria, they've been saying they don't have very high death rates. But in a city called Kano in the north of Nigeria, the grave diggers said, Well, we know how many people are dying and how many poor are dying because we used to dig seven burial plots a day. We're now burying eighty people a day and we don't know what to do with all the bodies. So there's a real discrepancy here between official figures in the developing countries and what's really happening. And Is that I'd because that they're just
1: a- not really testing that widely? And so they don't they're not attributing these deaths to coronavirus?
0: It's a mixed story. So a lot of um, nations in Africa are doing exceptionally well with their testing and confinement because they've learned hard lessons from controlling pandemics like Ebola before. Mm. So you wouldn't want to discredit these countries. However, it is true that there are countries around the world developed and developing where testing is low, where people aren't going into hospitals, where they're dying at home or in their shacks in the village, and they're just not popping up on the statistics you ask the grave figures and they say they're you know, bearing more bodies than ever before. So it's a picture that won't be entirely clear. What people need to know though is it is happening and these people are far less prepared for it than uh, you can imagine we are here in Australia.
1: Okay. One of the groups of people in the world that often are vulnerable is kids and I think we've all been grateful that children haven't been too badly affected by coronavirus but we know that kids are extremely vulnerable to poverty. So what do we know about the impact of pandemic on the world's poorest kids?
0: I think for children, it's really a story of the difficulties in households around the world right now. So for those who are daily labourers making a dollar or two a day, you know, just scraping out survival, as soon as the lockdowns came into place in countries like India, their income dried up. And in a lot of those countries, there aren't the government food distribution programs that are able to effectively reach everyone. So now, the meager amount of food that was on the table at dinner time for the family has now been reduced. Children are always vulnerable when times get tough for families. Children are also vulnerable from the abuse that gets perpetrated in lockdown, too. Again, not a story that Australia is immune to, but one that we are seeing exacerbated by the pressures of extreme poverty in developing countries.
1: Well, Matt, this is all a big. I guess, story to deal with. There's a, there's a lot going on around the world. Some people, you know, at the moment are struggling just to meet their day-to-day um, needs and adjust to this new situation. Uh, can you help us out here, like, with a good news story? You know, are there some positive things going on? Are there examples of people making a real difference at this time?
0: There really are. I mean, we've seen it in Australia. We saw it in the bushfires and we saw it during coronavirus. Coronavirus is unleashing its own wave of generosity, of compassion, of looking after our neighbour. And I think the story is here, we are all connected. Coronavirus shows that. We are all connected, literally. We see a virus sweep through the human population around the world. But we're also seeing that kind of sweep through. As churches are kicking into gear here in Australia in ways never seen before to feed their um, communities, uh, that's happening in the Overseas Church and the Overseas Church partners, the amazing organisations who do that work supporting those communities like Your World Vision, and Your Baptist World Aid, and Your Compassion. I'm in contact with them and they've all pivoted their programs to be able to be providing that first wave of relief and assistance. So the church is rising up, helping one another. Our organisations are working to support the world's poorest. And as Australians feel a little bit of respite, breathe a bit more easily here in Australia that we have come through some of the worst of it. I think we need to keep looking at how can we be generous to each other and how can we be generous to our global neighbours who are also struggling.
1: Thank you so much, Matt.
0: No worries, my pleasure.
1: That's Matt Darvis from Micra Australia. You can find out more about the impact of coronavirus on the world's poor at microaustralia.org.